Praise the Lord. Do I let everybody go to their classes at this time? The adults would stay in here. Praise God. The adults would turn to Exodus chapter 28. What we're going to study this morning in the adult class is inexhaustible. It, it is a study that is inexhaustible. You'll just, I'm going to just get you started and you study on your own, okay? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. God's Word is awesome. And we're going to be dealing with the priests today, the high priest, the priesthood. They get an understanding of these things. This is very important for us. The tabernacle, as we've said, is very important. It's really the grandfather clause of all biblical revelation. You need to know the tabernacle. You need to know the priesthood. If you'll understand these things, if you just get a basic understanding, it'll help you understand redemption. Let me rephrase that. It's the grandfather clause of all revelation concerning redemption. So it's good to be studying the tabernacle. And this is the high priest here. Or, yeah, the high priest. This is the way he looked, the way he dressed. It was something that was from God. Amen? Okay. Let's look at Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1. Hmm. And take thou unto the Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, and Aaron's sons. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. Thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted. Say, wise-hearted. Whom have filled whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and an embroidered coat, a mitre and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. They shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. They shall make the ephod of gold of blue and of purple of scarlet and fine twine linen with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so shall it be joined together. I think we'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you, God, for the word of God, the revelation of the truth. I ask you, O oh God, Lord, to quicken to me, O oh God, everything that you would have us to say. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise for this service in advance. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at some uh, different things here this morning to help you understand the priest. There is the high priest, which you see a picture of right here. Aaron was the first high priest. Hmm, we got a little bit of feedback, brother. Uh, and also, of course, Moses was a priest. We don't know that really. He's not uh, specifically called a priest until you get over into the Psalms, but he is called a priest. Aaron and Moses are called priests. But Aaron is the first high priest. Jesus Christ is the great high priest. Aaron was not the great high priest. He was the high priest. There's only one great high priest, 
and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? We're going to study the garments of the high priest. We're going to study the ministry of the high priest, his sons. And by the will of God, very briefly at the end, we're going to receive and understand the tithe. And I think once we look at this, that you will be blessed big time when you see it, okay? First of all, we're going to look at the garments of the priest. The Bible says there are seven of them. If you take the mitre, the, the top part right there, this bonnet that he wore, this turban-like thing that he wore with this gold plate, a total of seven pieces of garment are listed for the high priest. Now, the Bible tells us, first of all, uh, in verse 4 about these garments, it says that they will have a, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and an embroidered coat, a mitre and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for thy brother and his sons that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. When I began to study this thing, it just went on and on and on and on and on. And I got up this morning, I was still studying. I, I tell you, it is just a totally awesome thing. So... Get into this and study for yourself these things. Let me go through the garments very quickly. First of all, there is a linen coat that you see right here coming out all the way down to his wrist. Underneath the linen coat, the priest would have had breeches upon him which went down to the knee. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? And then these breeches were on him and then over it was this linen coat this linen coat had a girdle around it that you could not see when he had this blue robe on. Okay, so we get over here and we look at the verse. We see the Bible says, These garments which they shall make a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, and an embroidered coat. Say an embroidered coat. When you read the embroidered coat there, you're talking about this coat right here, this linen coat. Okay. Now, Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, gives us some facts about this coat that the Scripture doesn't record for us. He says that on this linen coat there was embroidered, and it tells us embroidered work, that there was actually flowers that were embroidered in this linen coat. Some believe that there were leaves that were embroidered on this linen coat. And the leaves, of course, we know Revelation says, is for the healing of the nations. So if you were to look on the back of this coat that was on his body on his backside you would see leaves now what happened to his back he was smitten with the cat of nine tails why so that you and I could be healed so right there on the high priest we had this embroidered beautiful on this coat here this matter say the coat we talk about the coat this is what we're talking about the linen garment that was underneath the first layer you with me that was above his britches hallelujah Praise God. Okay. Then there was a girdle underneath. Now, then the Bible talks about, let's go back up, look at the ephod. Say the ephod. And then there's the robe of the ephod. Y'all still with me? The robe of the ephod is the blue robe that was on top of the linen coat. You see it? This is it right here. At the bottom of this blue robe... There were pomegranates and bells. All right? Pomegranate, then a bell, pomegranate, then a bell, pomegranate, then a bell. You with me? Okay. Solid blue in color as far as we understand. Now, that's what the Scripture says, that it was blue in color. Okay? Praise God now. I'm telling you. 
Then upon that, above that, there was this linen ephod. That is this part right here. That's the next layer, the outward layer. It was in two parts. It was connected at the top, the shoulder there, by these gold settings. And in these gold settings, there was two stones, we'll read about in a little bit, which had six tribes on one side, six tribes engraved on the other side. So you had the 12 tribes on the shoulders of the high priest. So you had the back part of the ephod, the front part of the ephod. That's the linen ephod. This is the ephod right here. It had the blue, the scarlet, the purple, and the white colors within it. Upon the ephod, you had the breastplate of judgment. And I'll read this to you in just a moment. This breastplate of judgment was doubled over. It was like a purse. It was like a pouch. The reason why it was called the breastplate of judgment was because there were two stones that were placed inside of it. The Urim and the Thummim, the scripture says. I'll read that to you in a moment. Two stones. And this was the way they determined the mind and the will of God. And this is where the Urim and Thummim went. That's why it's called the breastplate of judgment. It's God's decision. When you talk about judgment, when you say, I make a judgment, you're passing a decision on something, okay? So that's why it is called the breastplate of judgment. Now, that was on the linen ephod. It was connected to this. And there's, the, there's a girdle right here. This is called a curious girdle. Okay, in verse 8, 28 verse 8, tells you that it's a curious girdle. And this breast, uh, breastplate of judgment is connected. There is a blue ribbon right here that connects this round ring of gold over to the girdle. You see? Right here. Round gold, blue ribbon going down to the girdle. That connects it, holds it down here at the bottom. At the top... The breastplate of judgment, you can't see it very well. Let me see if I can pull it down. Right here it's connected. You see this, again, this ring of gold, this chain that goes up to this setting where these two stones were. So this breastplate of judgment is connected down here to the curious girdle. It's connected to the stones up at the top, and it's secured. It is chained to the high priest. Okay? Now, on his head, there is this mitre. It is a wound type linen. It is wound and sewed together. And in this turban-like thing, this mitre, there is a gold plate with a blue ribbon on the back side of it. And it holds the, this gold plate upon this turban, you might call it, the mitre. On this gold plate, there is inscribed holiness unto the Lord. Now, Josephus says that the name of God was inscribed upon this. This is a Jewish, uh, first century Jewish historian. The name of God, uh, the letters we know to be Yot, Hey, Bob, Hey in the Hebrew. It's the ineffable name of God. They, there were only a very few people that knew how to pronounce that most holy name of God in the Old Testament. Yot, Hey, Bob, Hey. The priest was one of them. The high priest was one of them. And on the Day of Atonement, he would pronounce not just the letters, but he would pronounce the ineffable name or the unpronounceable name, they said, of God. Why they say it's ineffable or unpronounceable is that it was so holy and it was revered so greatly that they were afraid that if they pronounced it incorrectly, that they would die. So they, they were very careful about pronouncing the name of God. Now the high priest understood, knew how to pronounce it. And on the Day of Atonement, he pronounced it many times. But that... The Bible says, holiness unto the Lord. Josephus says, uh, the, the ineffable name of God, the name of God. All right, well, that would be holiness unto the Lord for sure. 
Okay, so y'all with me? Y'all, y'all got the basic picture in your mind? Say the linen coat, embroidered first layer, the breeches underneath that. Then this blue robe, the robe of the ephod. The ephod was this two-piece part right here that held the breastplate of judgment with the Urim and Thummim and inside the pouch. And then the, the mitre with the gold plate which said, Holiness unto the Lord or the name of God upon it. This is the way the high priest looked. Okay? Now on this breastplate of judgment, you had 12 stones. Beautiful stones. And we'll read about them, all the different stones that were in the breastplate. I'm talking about beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. I mean, when this man walked around, he was something to see. I mean, he was dressed big time. (laughs) Nobody dressed like the high priest. God had him dressed that way. These these garments were were designed, were given to him by God. And when you saw him, he walked out among the people in these beautiful, uh, the Bible says they are garments of beauty and glory. And when he walked out among the people, he was representing God to the people. When you looked at him, you saw, hey, he's, a, he's representing God to us. And you'd hear him when he'd walk, you'd hear the bells that were at the bottom of this ephod, the robe of the ephod down here. You would hear these bells making this beautiful sound as he went along like thunder. So the people could hear him where he went. So when he went out among the people, he was representing God. But when he went to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he was representing the people to God. So let me just tell you, first of all, before we look at all the garments in detail, what does the priest, what does it mean to be a priest? Hallelujah. We still got something going on? Okay. Yeah. Can y'all still hear me? It's fine, brother. It's fine. I thought I heard something pop. Okay, when you say a priest, you're talking about a person who has the ability to come into the divine presence of God. This high priest had the ability to come into the divine presence of God. It also means a bridge builder. So he was the man that brought God and man together. He's a bridge builder. Do you understand that? you understand what a bridge builder is? God's way over here apart separate from man. Man's way over here separate and apart from God. And the bridge builder, the high priest, puts them back together. Okay? He not only represented God to man, but he represented man to God. You understand that? He's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. A priest was not only a representative representing God to man and man to God, but he was a friend of God. They were looked at as the friends of God, the fellows of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I say, wouldn't it be wonderful? Well, what you don't understand is, is that it's a reality and a fact now for you. Okay? Praise the Lord. So he represents man to God, God to man. Hallelujah. He is God's friend. How many friends of God do I have here today? When you saw the high priest, 
you saw the nation. Because on this breastplate of judgment were these 12 stones, and on these 12 stones were engraved the 12 tribes of Israel. So that when you saw the high priest, you saw Israel. Woo. So that when he walked in the presence of God, Israel walked in the presence of God. The people walked into the presence of God. So much so that if you read Exodus chapter 13, Bible talks about the firstborn belonged to God. If you had a firstborn son, you'd take that firstborn son, you'd dedicate it to God, and he would be involved in the ministry of the tabernacle. But in, instead of the firstborn son, God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pick Levi, the tribe of Levi, to be my priest. You with me up to this point? And they're going to be a substitute for your firstborn. So that when you have a firstborn son, somebody in the tribe of Levi can take the place of your firstborn son and Levi will represent you. you will be, he will be a substitute for you. Oh, so therefore, you, when you looked at the priest, you looked at the nation. Hallelujah. With me? Now, let me show you something. All right. See, I'm already teaching. I haven't read all of them, but that's okay. Let's go to Psalm 27. Look at what David says. Psalm 27. He understood this. Now, I'm just going to talk, teach you this morning. At least the first part, anyway. Okay, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. Is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Look at this, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Problem is, the problem is in David's day, David couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. Because David was a king from the tribe of Judah. But God had chosen the tribe of Levi. Say the tribe of Levi. All right. Tribe of Levi, 12 sons of Israel. You with me up to this point? Am I, I hope I don't get you totally confused here. But Israel had 12 sons. Right? Reuben was the firstborn, but he wasn't chosen. Because there was problems in Reuben. Go on down. Levi is chosen to be the priest of God. Say the son, his name is Levi. One of the 12 sons of Israel's name is Levi. He is chosen to be the priest of God. To do the service of the tabernacle. Okay? One tribe. One tribe. Levi. Okay? One family. In Levi. Are going to be the priest. Okay. Now. The tribe of Levi. Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Are you with me? So the, the, the son of Jacob is who? Levi. And Levi had how many sons? Three sons, Gershon, Kohath, Merari. 
those three sons were going to do the ministry of the tabernacle, which we have been studying, and the ministry of the temple. They were going to do the service, the ministry uh, uh, to God, okay? Levi had the son Gershon, and he had the son Merari. These sons were not in the priesthood. I mean, they... How can I put this? They did the work of the sanctuary. They assisted the priest. But the priest came from Levi's son, Kohath. And in from the son of Kohath, Levi's son, Kohath, there was a man by the name of Aaron. And Aaron and his sons were the priests. But Levi's son Gershon and his descendants and Levi's son Merari and his descendants assisted the, the priest that were in Kohath from the family of Aaron. So it, the priest only came from Aaron, but the Levites were assistants to the priest to help them in the ministry of the tabernacle. Does that help you understand? Okay. Ooh. Glory to God. Let's look at verse 5. You there? Exodus 28, verse 5. Exodus 28, verse 5. Having looked then at the garments of the priests briefly gave you what they were, told you where the priests came from. They are Aaron and his sons. Verse 1. Say Aaron and his sons. Hallelujah. We're going to look at the garments briefly. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. They shall make the ephod of gold. Say the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, fine twine linen with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof. And so shall it be joined together. And the curious girdle, say there's that curious girdle. Whenever, what we're talking about, what we're talking about, we're talking about the ephod right here. This linen ephod with this curious girdle right here. Okay. Look at all the different colors that are in it. What's the blue? Heaven, speaking of what? That this high priest was representing deity. That Jesus, when he would come as the high priest, would be God. That's the blue. Purple is what? Royalty. When Jesus would come as the high, great high priest, he would be king of kings and lord of lords. Purple and gold. With me? Scarlet. What's the Scarlet. The red man, Adam. The second man, Christ. His humanity, his sacrifice for us. So not only was he the gold, the God, not only was the purple king, but he was the scarlet, the second man, the last Adam, the man who died for us on the cross. And the white speaks of his righteousness. Okay, it's beautiful. And now let me give you a verse, and you can look at this up later. But in Exodus chapter thirty-nine, verse three, I'm going to read verse eight. The curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of gold. Say gold, of blue, of purple, scarlet, fine twine linen. Now we're talking about not gold thread. We are talking about literal gold. And the Bible tells you in that verse that they took 
gold and they flattened it into plates. And then they cut wires of gold off of those plates and they worked literal gold into this ephod and the girdle right here so that not only, listen, it was intertwined into the purple, the scarlet, the blue, and the white. It was all intertwined into those colors. So that when this high priest walked around, I'm telling you, man, when the sun hit him, he was like fire, like a luster, like a brilliance. Because it was real gold that was inside of that. So it, this gold not only gave, its, gave it brilliance, but it gave it um, a strength to it, a stability to it in the fabric. Woo! Hallelujah. Okay. Let's read on. Now the Bible says this in verse 9, And thou shalt take two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. Six, their, six of their names on one stone, the other six names of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth. Alright, so you're going to get two, two settings right here. These settings that you see right here are onyx stones. Say onyx stones. Praise God. And according to scholars, the Hebrew word for these onyx stones means luster and fire. So that when you looked at this man, not only did the gold reflect the glory, but these stones were like lusters of fire. This, this guy was something else to look at. And set, praise God, let me, let me get myself together here. The stones, let me make sure what I'm talking about here. Time. The, the stones that the children were engraved on were the onyx stones and they were set in gold setting. Okay? Ooh. So that this high priest was carrying Israel on his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Isaiah 9 and 6. So he is carrying them on his shoulders and God is carrying me today. So this shoulders the stones on the shoulders with Israel on the shoulders is a picture of God's power upholding us and the settings that they set inside of represent security I'm secure in him and I'm upheld by his power okay praise the Lord now it tells us that their names were accorded recorded on these stones according to to birth. Woo, took me. I'm just now understanding this. I've been studying this for close to 20 years. And I'm just now, I'm seeing bits and pieces in this chapter that I've never seen before. That's why I'm telling you that when you study this today, you've just begun. It is inexhaustible. I've been studying this close to 20 years. And I'm just now beginning to see the fine details of it. Now, let me tell you, it was according to birth. Look at your name and say, according to birth. Now, the breastplate was totally different. The names were inscribed and engraved upon these stones, but it was not according to birth. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. What is this showing us here? That everybody, when you're born into the kingdom of God, say born. born. According to birth, if you're born again, 
You're just as saved this morning. If you're a new convert, you are just as saved as the oldest saint in the church. If you're two day, if you're one day old in the Lord, you're born again one day. You're only one day old. You're just as saved as I am. If you're a month old, you're just as saved as that person who's been saved for 20 years because it's according to birth. But it was not that way in the breastplate. And we'll look at that when we get there. All right? Are you here today? Now the onyx stone that is, has the names inscribed upon it say, I'm on his shoulders this morning. And I'm just, look at your neighbor and say, I'm just as saved as you are if you're born again. Say, I'm born again, I'm just as saved as you are. God's holding me up by His power. He's not going to let me fall because I'm resting on His shoulders. I'm secure in here. I'm in the set. He's set me there and He's engraved me on His shoulders. Now these onyx stones, you can go to Genesis chapter 2. Let me give you the verse. Genesis chapter 2. In verse 12, talks about the onyx stones. Now listen, praise God. Now you don't have time to turn there. Just write it down and go look at it later. Because, <laughs> I mean, we'll be here all day. I know that you don't mind, but... But see, and then in Revelation 21, we see that the onyx stone is listed in the New Jerusalem. Now what God is going to try to show us in this, these onyx stones represent what's going to happen. We're going to be restored back to that original state of sinless Perfection. That which was once in the Garden of Eden will be restored in the book of Revelation. So we have the onyx stone seed. Woo! Hallelujah. See, you do know man fell in the garden, right? But God is telling you by these stones that it's not going to be that way forever. God's going to restore us to that original sinless condition. Whoa. Say, according to birth. Aren't you glad you're saved? You say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm saved today. Well, hallelujah. I don't always feel that way either. Notice the Bible says in verse 11, with the work of an engraver stone like the engravings of a signal. I mean, it wasn't just written on there with a pen that could be erased. It was, in, it was engraved. Hmm. Notice the Bible says, uh, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set, there we go, arches of gold. That's the settings of gold, all right? Now, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Hallelujah. Everywhere he goes... He's going to bear the names of Israel before me. So that where he goes, you go. And so that what he does affects the nation. And what the nation does affects him. He is that representative man. He represents Jesus Christ. Come on. Jesus is in glory right now. He represents you and I before the throne of God. As the man. He is the representative, that one man who represents me. Oh, glory to God. So that when the Lord, when, when the Spirit, the eternal Spirit sees him, he sees me. And what he's done for me affects me. 
You got to see this, all right? Okay, let's keep reading. Woo. Now verse 13. Thou shalt make ouches of gold, and two chains of pure gold at the ends of the wreathen work shalt thou make them, and fasten the wreathen chains to the ouches. However you say that, the settings. Got chains, say chains. You, what's going to be chained to this is going to be this breastplate. We're chained to him. Okay, you'll see it. I am chained to him. What shall separate us from the love of God? Romans 8 says, Neither height nor depth, principalities or powers. See, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So we are, listen, God said, the high priest said, they're chained to me. Hallelujah. You'll, you'll okay. Now verse 15. Thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod. Thou shalt make it of gold, say gold, blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine twine linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be being doubled, say doubled. So this breastplate that's on the ephod right here. Y'all here still with me? We're going slow here. Hallelujah. For my sake and yours. This thing is double. It's going to make a pouch. It's like a purse. It's also going to give stability. So that thing doesn't you know, flop around. It's secure to him. With me? It's got that gold wire worked into the fabric. It's Praise the Lord. Are you with me? It's firm. Say it's firm. Okay, verse uh, 17. Thou shalt set in it the settings of stone, even four rows of stone. First row shall be a sardis, a topaz, a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a liquor, and an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and the jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosing, set in gold. Say set in gold. I'm in Him. See that gold, that deity, that godness, God's got a hold of me. And there's these 12 stones, and they're all made out of different, mater- different types of minerals. And every one of them have a name engraved upon it of one of the tribes of Israel. Ah. But if you look at Numbers 10, you'll have to look at that sometime on your own. You're going to see that Judah is listed first according to their tribe. Notice verse 21. It says, like the engravings of a signet, everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. Not according to their birth, as the stones on the shoulder were, but according to their tribes. So everybody in this church, it doesn't matter, again, if you're one day old or 20 years old or 50 years old in the Lord, we're all just, we're saved. I'm not more saved than you are and you're not more saved than I am. But when you look at the breastplate, there's different stones, different brilliances, different brightness. And the first stone, first tribe that's listed in the order of the camp is, guess who? Judah! Which means praise. Now over on the first stone, the first name, the oldest son would have been recorded, Reuben. 
But when you look at Numbers 10, the first tribe that's recorded in order is Judah. So Judah would have been the first stone in the first row of the high priest's breastplate. That color means something. That stone means something. We would have to study the patriarchal blessing, all right, with me? And the Moses, what Moses said prophetically about these sons. And then look at the stone to understand everything about these people. But I'm here to tell you just this right now, is that we're all saved. And nobody is saved more than the other person if you're born again. But what I see in the breastplate is this. Is that just as you have different brilliances in these stones. You have differences of people within the church. And not everybody's reward is going to be the same. And not everybody's service is going to be the same. Because Reuben wasn't very good. He wasn't a good example. But put Judah in the first place. He's praise. Some people are going to be used by God differently. They're going to be brighter. You're going to have some people that are going to have, they're going to be like fire. They're going to be like a stones of fire. They're going to have a zeal about them for the things of God. They're going to be a stone of fire, very brightly shining, burning fiery stone. But then you have another saint. A different color, a different stone. They're a little quieter. <laughs> They're not so loud. They're not so fiery. They're not so zealous. That's why there's going to be different levels of service and different levels of reward that's going to take place. It's all seen in the stones right here. And I don't have time to get in and tell you all, all the prophetic significance to all the sons and what all the stones mean. Study are you with me? Now I will someday, I promise. But not today. I'm just trying to show you basic understandings. Give God praise. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I used to look for things like this. I used to look, you know, when you study the Word of God, you're like a person looking for gold. I mean, you get all your, everything, all your tools out, you get everything you can, and you go and you look for that precious nugget. And it may take you 20 years to find it. I want to tell you something. What I just shared with you took me 20 years to find. But I thank God. It... Get in there and study. Hallelujah. We're all saved. We're on the same level. We're all on the same plane. But we've got a different ministry, a different call, a different service. And there's going to be different rewards and different characteristics and different personalities and different ways. Woo! Hallelujah! And I know which one I am, man. I'm the one that's on fire. It's got zeal. And then we might have somebody else in a church, you know, they're a little, they're kind of quiet, they're kind of reserved, and they're kind of soft-spoken. They're not all like the loudmouth preacher you got. Oh, hallelujah. But I have my calling, and you have your calling. I have my service, and you've got your service. I've got my reward, you've got your reward. But again, not all these stones. You study, and not all these tribes, not all these people. Reuben, 
People like that, not all of them, they weren't, some of them weren't worth flip. I believe Reuben would say that he was unstable as water, man. <laughs> no stability about him. Oh, don't look at me like that. If you got Judah as a praiser and a worshiper, he's the first one that's listed. See, that's, that's always been important to God. Tell you this, there's no silent praise, there's no silent worship, and there's no silent service. What I mean by silent service is none. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. You know what you did? You just created glory. I told you about those cherubim facing each other and in between it was God. Face to face, crying, holy, holy, holy. When you look at each other, you praise God like Judah. You're creating glory. Glory is sitting right between you when you do that. Do you understand that this was to reflect the glory of God? And that our lives are supposed to reflect God's glory to this world? Woo! Praise God. Look at verse 22. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of the wreathing work of pure gold. Say pure gold. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold. Thou shalt put the two rings on the one, uh, or the two ends of the breastplate. Thou shalt put the two wreathing chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. So I'm bound to him by his power. I'm bound to him. Nobody can pluck me out of his hands because I'm chained to him. I'm chained to his shoulder. I'm chained to his power. And I'm on his heart. I'm not only on his shoulder, I'm not only chained to him by his by power, but I'm on his heart today. And just as these names were inscribed on these stones and they were placed over his heart, some of you today are in the heart of God Almighty himself. Some of you are inscribed in his heart. He can't think about anything without thinking about you. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? He's got me in his heart. I'm inscribed in his heart today. So I'm bound to him by power. I'm, bound, I'm chained to him by power. And I'm in his affection today. He loves me. Does he love you? Is your name in his heart today? It's powerful, man. I'm chained to him. It's beautiful. All right, let's go on. The Bible said, The other two ends of the two wreathing chains thou shalt fasten. And the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder piece of ephod before it. Thou shalt make two rings of gold. Thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate and the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward. And two other rings of gold thou shalt make, and shalt put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath toward the forepart. Therefore, over against the other coupling, therefore above, say the curious girdle of the ephod. So he said, This is the way you attach the breastplate of judgment. You tie it to the curious girdle right here. You tie it to the uh, stones on the top of the shoulders. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, verse 28. They shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof under the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue. Say a lace of blue. 
that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. Go to Song of Solomon chapter 8. Let's look at this. Look at your neighbor and say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Man, I am burning up in here. Some of y'all are saying, well, I'm cold. I said, man, come change places with me. <clears throat> Look at what this bride, this Shulamite bride, who's a type of the church, says. Okay, you ready? Ready? Why did Solomon write this love letter to the Shulamite maid? He's a type of Christ. Solomon's a type of Christ. And the Shulamite maid is a type of the church. Right? Oh, y'all going to sit there? Yeah, go sleep on me. That's all right. Look at verse 6, though. Look. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. As a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Death can't even separate me from the love of God. another lover you belong to him he belongs to you he will not share you with another lover he shall us over you the coals thereof are coals of fire which have most vehement flame many waters cannot quench love neither can the floods drown it if a man would give all the substance of his house for love it would utterly be contemned hallelujah I believe that isn't God awesome it's all tied in. Let's go back to Exodus 28, all right? <clears throat> okay, verse 30. Thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim. Say the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, all you that, that critiquing me on my reading here, Urim and Thummim or whatever. How do you say it? How do you say it? They come talk to me. We'll see if you're right. They shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. I'm going to get, he's going to get direction. He's going to get instruction. He's going to get guidance from the Urim and the Thummim. He's going to tell you the mind of God. He's going to be a friend to God, a fellow of God, a man who hears God, who knows the will of God, knows the plan of God, knows the purpose of God for your life. And so just go to Him. He'll tell you, here's the human and the thumbing. We have the Word of God and the Holy Ghost now. To lead our, the Word of God leads our lives. The Holy Ghost leads our lives. Come on. Beautiful. Y'all still with me so far? Y'all not bored, are you? Okay, that's the ephod. Y'all get all that? That's the ephod, breastplate of righteousness, the stones with the 12 tribes of Israel on them. They're chained together. They're all, hallelujah, all the significance, basically. Okay, verse 31. We're going to look at the robe of the ephod. Say the robe. 
of the ephod. Now, this can kind of confuse you because if you just read it, you know, you're just reading it and you, you think, well, that must be the ephod itself. At least that, when I read it, that's what I see, you know. Not y'all, but me. But the robe of ephod is the robe underneath the ephod. It's not the ephod itself. It's the robe underneath the ephod. Everybody that knew that said amen. Right, brother, I, knew, I looked at him. I knew he was the one that knew. He, he, he like somebody else I know. I get up here and preach. He can just sit there and preach the whole thing with me, you know. So. All right, verse 31. Thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. Say blue. Come on, brother, you all help me. What does it mean? <laughs> this robe here of blue, you saw this robe of blue, say blue, heaven. Ah, come on, when I walk outside and I look up in the heavens, if I see a blue sky, you know what that tells me about God? The blue sky doesn't tell me about His judgment. Clouds, dark clouds out there and storms tell me about His judgment. I want to tell you something. When I hear a storm rolling, I hear, you know, the thunder rolling. You know what I start thinking about? Power! Judgment! When I walk out and look at a blue sky and I don't see a cloud in the sky, beautiful grace of God. <laughs> so it's blue, it's the grace of God, but it's also, again, heaven. He's God. He represents God to us. This high priest is saying, I represent God to you. Look at my blue robe. The grace of God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. He cares about you. And because it's a picture of heaven, then it speaks to me of authority. This high priest had authority. His office had authority because God put him in the office and then God clothed him. So when I looked at this high priest, I respected him because he had the authority of God upon him. Now, I don't want to lose you. Hang with me here. Jesus is a high priest according to Hebrews 7 after the order of Melchizedek. This priest here in the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood, could not be a king at the same time that he was a priest. But Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's everything here and more. He's better than the priesthood that we're looking at. Because he's not just a priest, he is a king. God's good, isn't he? All right, I wish I had time. I'll give you some verses. You can look and look them up uh, for, for authority. 1 Samuel 14, 4. Job 29, 14. Ezekiel 26, 16. Praise God. Hallelujah. I respect God. I respect his authority. Mm. 
Let me just back up with you. I want to show you something. The Bible said in verse 3, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. You know who made these garments? The wise-hearted people. You know who are wise-hearted? Those who respect the order of God. If you don't respect the order of God, you're not a wise-hearted person. But a person who respects the order of God are the ones who made the garments. This garment was a picture of authority. You need to respect this thing. And you would be wise if you respected that authority that God placed there. Okay, now look. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But I just want to look at these garments first. The Bible said there shall be a hole in the top of it. So this thing is seamless, man. I mean, there wasn't seams in the arm and seams down along the side. It was a solid piece. There was a hole in the top of it. You poured that pulled that blue robe over your head and down it fell now the word there look look at this word this h-a-b-e-r-g-e-o-n harborgen you know what that was it was a coat of mail it was a plate of metal so that you could not rip it you cannot rip the deity of Jesus Christ you cannot strip him of his deity you can say he's not God, but this testament right here says he's God, he's the Lord of heaven, and you can't rip it, you can't strip him of it. And you can't take his authority away from him. He rules everything. Are you with me? Harvard, like a coat of mail, like when you look at this man, oh, so put, put uh, Ephesians 6 by that. By that one verse and read it later God has given you an armor so when you saw that high priest not only did you see him representing God to you and you being represented back to God in him not only did you see deity and humanity mingled together in God you saw his authority you saw his power nobody can take it away from him but you saw a warrior a soldier He was armed, man. He was armed. The Bible says, look, in verse 33, And beneath it upon the hem of it shalt make pomegranates. Say pomegranates of blue. And a purple and scarlet round about the hem thereof. Pomegranates down here at the bottom of that robe of the ephod. Look. Y'all see them? Aren't they pretty? Blue and scarlet and purple Right? That's right, blue. I'm reading it, blue, purple, scarlet. Hey, the pomegranate. Say fruitfulness. God wants to make you fruitful. He is fruitful. Say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the Spirit. Here's God. Here's deity. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give you a few verses. You can look them up later. Okay? Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Say the apple. 
Song of Solomon chapter 2. Sometimes y'all turn over and read about the apple. There's an apple tree in the Song of Solomon. It's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an apple tree that's out there in the wilderness somewhere. <laughs> oh, I wish I could. I'm not going to get into all of that. But anyway, you know, it's like you're going through a wilderness in life. How many of y'all know what life can be? Life can be a pain. Life can be a struggle. Life can be pressure. Life can be a wilderness. And you're going through life and all of a sudden, in the middle of the wilderness, you've seen all of this, you know, hysop and chatham wood and all this stuff. Weeds. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the wilderness, you come up to an apple tree. <laughs> Be like you were thirsty, thirsty and you were dying in the wilderness. You came up and you find an apple tree. You reach up there and pull an apple off the tree and you eat it. That's Jesus Christ. You know what the apple is a picture of? Love. So whenever you take your teacher an apple, or I should say your children take their teacher an apple, now you know what it means. It means I love you. God's saying, that's not an apple. You with me? Then there's the great, the great John 15, picture of joy in the Bible. Say joy. Oh, my, 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 my mind's filling with a lot of things about the grave. Say joy. joy. But then there's the pomegranate. Joel chapter 1 tells you the pomegranate is a picture of peace. Look at your neighbor say peace. <clears throat> say, I've got peace. You know how I got peace? Because of his work on the cross for me. He died for me. And because he died for me, you're looking at a person today that's got peace in the midst of storms, in the midst of problems and troubles. If I can just get an understanding that he is the pomegranate to me, he's my peace because of Calvary. Now, well, then it had bells. And they weren't put right together. There was a fruit of the pomegranate in between, say, fruitfulness. So that the bells wouldn't just cling together. Be discord and, you know, disharmony. Just clanging and making an uncertain sound. No, there was a certain sound. Notice what it says. And his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord. And when he cometh out, that he die not. <laughs> So these bells, he had to have these bells on there. They, oh, God, kill him. Because there had to be a testimony. There had to be a voice. Are you here? And everywhere he walked, you could hear those bells going. They're saying, he's alive. This is the type of the Lord Jesus, right? So when he walked in the holy place, this high priest walked in the holy place, they could hear him in that holy place and those bells going, man. And they could say, he's alive in there. Now, this is very interesting. When he went on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, one time a year, the high priest, only once a year, in Leviticus 16 it started. Before that, it may be that he went in there continually. But after we have a problem with Nadab and Abihu, his sons, God says, now once a year. With me? So one time a year, this high priest 
went into the Holy of Holies. No other time of the year did he go into the Holy of Holies, but one time a year, say the Day of Atonement. And there would be sacrifices made. Remember the scapegoat, goats, scapegoats, bulls, bullocks, all kinds of things. Sacrifices were made for the sins of himself and also for the people. He had to sacrifice for himself. You understand? He also made sacrifice for the people. <clears throat> but when he went into the Holy of Holies, he did not wear these garments. Uh-oh. He took them off. And there was another set of garments that he put on his body. Y'all are quiet. Let me go to read to you. Leviticus 16. He's going to lay aside his glory. That's what Jesus did. He laid aside his glory. And a few services back, I may have said something that he went in the Holy of Holies in those garments, but I was mistaken. I'll tell you, I was mistaken. I'm talking about when he was making sacrifice. Do you understand? You with me? Hallelujah. Don't stone me. I'm learning. I'm admitting it. All right, Leviticus 16. Are you with me still? Okay, now notice what the Bible says. He had two garments. He had one for the Day of Atonement, and then he had these garments, Exodus 28. They're not the same. Now, I, want, I just have to admit to you that when I got into this, I just, oh, oh. I want to know. I want to know. How many, what garments did he wear? And it, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying. I wore myself out. <laughs> I was resting in the Holy Ghost, but I was also frustrated. So I was kind of moving out of the rest of God because I wanted to know. So Leviticus 16, look at this. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Y'all still with me? I, not, I'm, I know I'm talking parables to you, but Jesus taught parables too. So it's only for those who really want to know that are going to know. <laughs> so I can stand up here and preach parables to you. And if you really want to know, then you'll know. Look at this, Leviticus 16 on the Day of Atonement, that one time a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of Covenant was, where God dwelt between the cherubim. With me? To make sacrifice for himself and for the people. Okay? Notice, look at verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and shall, he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are the holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. He doesn't put on the garments of beauty and glory. He only puts on this white linen, the breeches and the coats, and a regular bonnet upon his head. He looks like a normal priest. He looks like a normal man. When Jesus Christ came into this world, when you looked at him, you couldn't really tell that he was God. He looked like a normal man. He was the son of man who laid aside his glory, his garments of glory and beauty and came among us. You 
will remember, you will remember, and I'll read a little more to you in just a moment, that Jesus Christ came a time where he laid aside his garments, the Bible said, and he guarded himself, and he washed his disciples' feet. He became a servant for us. He served us and died for us. He laid aside his garments of glory and beauty. And one day they got a glimpse of the glory and beauty of the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Him transfigured before them and the glory of God began to come out of that flesh. But after that point, He looked just like a normal man, just like a normal priest working out there. You got to hear me. Before this Day of Atonement, you'd see the priest in his garments of glory and beauty all over the place. He walked around. He didn't, he didn't as far as I understand, do all the labor, the... the the work of putting, you know, baking bread and uh, all of that. But on this particular day, he did all the work himself. He officiated it and he performed it all by himself. Jesus Christ did it all by himself. And nobody died with him on that cross for your sin. He alone died for you on that cross. He died for yourself. He died for your sins by himself. A disciple wasn't let. When this man went in the tabernacle on the Day of Atonement, nobody was with them there. Jesus did it by himself for you. The lonely cross of Calvary. Now you here? Okay, look, look at the 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? This is the ABCs of the Scripture. This is the grand, grandfather clause of all revelation of redemption in the Word of God. Guess what? Next week, each one of you get to come up here and tell me what I preached to you for the last seven weeks. Are you here? All right. It tells us, therefore, he shall wash his flesh in water. And so put them on. Verse 5, say wash. Washes himself. Puts these garments on. Goes in and does the work. He does the sacrificial work. Hallelujah. Now, Leviticus 16, I, I read and reread and read and reread this chapter last night over and over and over. I'm saying, God, there's got to be more to it than this. You with me? So I reached up and I grabbed a book off of my <coughs> uh, bookcase. It's called Jewish Festivals by Haim Strauss, whatever. He's a Jew. And he gives you all the details of the Day of Atonement. I'm saying, God, you know, your word's pretty thorough, but come on. He didn't tell you everything. Because if he told you everything, we wouldn't have, listen, this pulpit wouldn't be big enough to hold it. When Jesus Christ came into this world, the works that he did were not all recorded. If they would have been recorded, the books would not have been able to contain them. They'd have been bigger than the world. Everything that he did is not in this Bible. So I just studied the, the Jewish ceremonies. I found out that he went into the, uh, on the Day of Atonement, went into the Holy of Holies at least three times. Now here, here's what I'm going to show you. Look. <laughs> this is something. You talk about a ritual. You talk about a ceremony. Had to stay up all night before the Day of Atonement. They would put his feet on, on, make him stand on the cold rock so he wouldn't go to sleep. Quoting scripture to him the whole time, rehearsing the ceremony to him. So he doesn't mess up, so he doesn't die when he goes in the presence of God. 
And then when the ceremonies are performed, he has to constantly put on clothes, take them off, bathe, bathe again, bathe again. Now look, all right, are you still with me? Let's keep reading then. Um, he shall take the congregation of the children of Israel, two kids of goats for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering, Aaron shall offer his bullock of sin offering, which is for himself, make an atonement for himself and for his house. thing about it when Jesus Christ came in he didn't have to offer a sacrifice for himself because he was perfect and this high priest went in once a year every year as a type and a shadow of that which was to come but when Jesus Christ shed his blood he shed it once for all not for himself but for you The high priest alone could go in there on the Day of Atonement. Jesus Christ is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, which means he went in. Guess what? He's going to bring us all into there. What they could not do in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ has made available to you. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. You can walk right into the presence of God Almighty Himself because Christ died once and for all. The blood that He shed 2,000 years ago has never lost its power. It's efficacious. It's effective today. I got I'm gonna read the verse I'm gonna go back to where we are here okay it says these bells uh, verse 35 when he goeth into the holy place before the Lord and when he cometh out that he die not the sound shall be heard okay are you with me now so the devil told me he's washed his flesh he's put these other garments on his body he looks like just a normal man now he doesn't have the beautiful garments of glory he walks in there he goes through the ceremony of sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat before the mercy three seat before the veil. All these things are happening. Are you here today? Yes. But I want to show you what happens. Look. All right. And then there's the goat that's killed and the scapegoat that's taken out of the wilderness. I'm not preaching this day of atonement to you. I'm trying to give you something about the high priest. Verse 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions. And all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. The goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat let go of the goat in the wilderness. Look at verse 23, please. Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall put off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy, and shall leave them there. So now he's going to take off. <laughs> The garment said he did the work of the sacrifice in. And he's going to leave them in the tabernacle. Never to be worn again. What I'm trying to show you is he didn't just peel off this, these outward garments here. and This was another garment that was made. They're called holy garments that were used by the high priest on the Day of Atonement to make sacrifice. Once he's done that, that one time a year, he puts them in the tabernacle, he leaves them there, never to be worn again. And every year, they make a new set. You understand? Notice. 
and he put on which he went in the holy place and shall leave them and he shall wash his flesh they wash his flesh with water in the holy place huh, that's that not the holy of holies but the holy place right here with me you with me come on y'all I gotta I gotta know you're with me here this is that first first compartment behind the veil the holy of holies but the first compartment table showbread golden candlestick altar of incense that's where these garments were these garments of glory and beauty these garments he took the other garments off laid them off to the side there he puts these on go with me to Psalm 89 please is this making sense well some some of you this is the first time you've ever heard anything like this it's okay you, you have to learn line upon line here a little there a little you're not going to get it all, all at one time I haven't I'll, I'll still be studying this when I get through are you with me today okay Psalm 89 and verse 15 <laughs> blessed is the people that know the joyful sound they shall walk O Lord in the light of thy countenance so after that high priest got through with the sacrifice then he put on his glorious apparel the garments of beauty and glory And it may be at that time, that's when the rope was around him, he began to dance, they could hear the bells. But before he got, listen, before they heard the bells, they be dancing, because the sacrifice had been accepted, they had to hear him put the garments back on. And when they heard him put the garments back on, they heard the bells begin to ring. And the people, they were, listen, they were out there, and they were just waiting in suspense. And when they heard that high priest put that robe of the ephod back on and the bells started making a noise again. <laughs> Blessed are they who hear the joyful sound. Woo. They said the blood's been applied and our sins have been covered for another year. Blessed are they that hear the joyful sound. The blood's been applied and he's alive he's not dead he's alive and as soon they, as they heard him put that on not only did they know the blood was applied and that he was alive they knew that he was fixing to come back now watch he died on the cross. He fulfilled the day of atonement. He became your blood sacrifice to take away your sin, not just to cover him. Then he rose up. Then he ascended up. And he went into the heavenly tabernacle. The blood atonement was accepted there in the eternality. Hallelujah of God's spirit. He finished the work. He's in glory now. But we've got to hear the sound. We've got to hear a testimony that the blood's been applied and that the high priest lives. We can't see him behind the veil. I can't see him in heaven. I can't see him behind the veil. 
but all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost I heard the bells I heard a testimony in Acts chapter 2 the Bible said there came a sound there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire and it set upon each of them and they all begin to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance speaking in tongues is the bell it's the testimony that he lives some of you say well I don't know if that's for me you better get it honey you better get it because that's a testimony that you're alive it's not only a testimony that he's alive in the heavens it's a testimony that he's alive in your tabernacle that he's moved into the holy of holies on the inside of you no wonder it says blessed are they that hear the joyful sound all the types and shadows we are experiencing now I want you to understand something that as that priest put on those garments and those people outside heard those bells they got excited celebration started then <clears throat> but if there would have been an unbeliever there in that house or by that house and he saw all this going on he'd hear the bells and hear these people getting excited he would look at these people like what is wrong with them why are they so happy over some bells on a high priest's garment making noise I'm going to try to help you understand. An unbeliever doesn't understand why you get so excited or why you speak in other tongues. They don't understand it. The heathen couldn't understand that. I used to be there. I remember the first time I went to a Pentecostal church, I thought they were completely crazy because I didn't have the joyful sound. And because I didn't understand... But one day I said, you know what? I don't really understand what's going on here. But I want it. And I went up front and a man of God laid his hands on me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And guess what happened to me? I started speaking in other tongues. The bell started ringing. You'll never understand this until you get it and then when you get it then you'll understand it and what is so awesome is that God said after this is Sabbath of rest it's going to be a Sabbath of rest they were talking, you're going to be afflicting yourself but it's also going to be rest so what God, listen, you got to hear, I've already talked to you about the dimensions in the Spirit that we moved into the rest of God now. When you get the Holy Ghost, the rest of God moves inside of you. And you experience, listen, listen. Don't tell me I don't keep the Sabbath. I declare to you this morning, I keep the Sabbath. But I don't keep the day. 
called the Sabbath. I keep the Sabbath because he is the Sabbath in me. I've gone beyond the shadow. I've moved into the reality. I've gone beyond the pointer. And I've experienced the one that was pointed to. I don't have to offer a goat. I don't have to go on the Day of Atonement through all the rituals and ceremony. That's been done for me in Christ. I experience the rest of God when I get the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 28 and 11 says, This is the rest. Wherein He will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. All right, now. You read over there in Leviticus chapter 25. Write it down if you would, please. Leviticus 25, verse 9. That the Jubilee trumpet, the Jubilee trumpet was sounded on the Day of Atonement, which was the announcement that everybody, everything goes free. All debts are canceled. Trumpet sounded. You understand? Now, I know that Day of Atonement trumpet, there's a picture of when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. But I want you to know that I've heard the joyful sound. The Holy Ghost has been poured out. He's behind the veil in glory right now. He hasn't come out yet. But when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and I heard the testimony, I heard the bells. It said, get ready because He's about to come back and get you. He's going to come out of that place. And when He does, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, there shall be the sounding of a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. With them to meet the Lord of the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm just getting ready for him to come back. Isn't God good? See, I got, I got to hurry. I'm not going to finish this morning. Mm, aren't you glad you know him? See, all these are just shadows and types, and they're pointing. We got the reality of it. Ceremonial washing. You can be baptized in Jesus' name and have all your sins washed away. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. The life of God will come inside of you. You will become a priest unto God. And then you can walk right into the Holy of Holies and not be intimidated by the presence of God Almighty. Because the veil was went into from the top to the bottom, giving you access into the glory of God. There is no high priest anymore on this earth that you have to answer to to get you to God. You've got one representative now. It's Jesus Christ. You don't go to a pope. You don't go to a priest and confess your sins. You go direct to God because the veil's been written from the top to the bottom. He is your high priest. Oh, hallelujah. All right, you understand it's hard to teach and preach at the same time. His word is beautiful. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Okay, let's go back to the word. Verse 36, chapter 28. 
Thou shalt make a plate of pure gold. Engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet holiness to the Lord. How many of y'all know Jesus was holy? Let me ask you again. How, do you, how many of you know Jesus was holy? <clears throat> Praise God, he was holy. He was also a servant. See that belt right there? That's a girdle of service. You hear? Let me give you another verse. See, I, I don't have no time getting everything, but I'm trying. Oh. Isaiah 22, 21. He will give you a girdle for service. He will give you strength to serve Him. When you get tired and weary, say, God, you know what? I'm not relying on my own strength. Give me what I don't have. Give me a girdle. All right, let's look at this. We need to go to the matter. Okay. Thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, graven upon like the engravings of the same holiness of the Lord. I have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. He is holy. He is undefiled. He is separate from sinners. That's why you've got to have the blood applied to your life. And you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're going to get in heaven. Because He is holy and without sin. That's why it's such an elaborate ceremony. Because they wanted them to respect that house. Blood everywhere, man. Okay, you with me? This matter here. Wrapped, sewn together with a plate of gold on the top it says holiness unto the Lord fulfilled in Jesus Christ but it's fulfilled in you are you priest unto God ah say a covering you know what he said holiness unto the Lord which means I'm submitted to God everywhere he went he had it inscribed on his head I'm submitted to God I obey God With a covering on his head. I'm subjected to God. I'm holy. I'm dedicated. My mind's dedicated. My heart's. Well, isn't it awesome that you just happen to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in the New Testament? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us that the women have a covering. And it is their hair. And they are to never cut their hair. Because it declares to the world, I am dedicated and I'm subjected to God. So he was reflecting the glory of God everywhere he went. Hallelujah. And you ladies, when you never let scissors touch your hair, you're telling the world that I'm subjected to God. I obey Him. I serve Him. I live holy. Now don't listen to these these people that tell you that you know, letting your hair grow long is ridiculous and all that. It's in the Bible. And it goes all the way back to the priest. I'm covered. You're covered. I ask you why you don't cut your hair. Same reason why the high priest had holiness under the Lord on his cap. And a man not, shouldn't cover his head with me that means he shouldn't let his hair grow long 
It doesn't mean you can't wear a cap. The context is hair, not a hat. Give God praise. You know what you're declaring? When you live holy, especially the ladies, you have an outward reflection to the glory of God. Give God praise. Say holiness unto the Lord. No wonder the chairman in Isaiah 6 covered their feet, covered their face, and two wings they flew with. The Bible said they cried, Holy, holy, holy. But we're covered, holy, covered, holy, covered. You know what you're saying? You're saying. I have a high priest. All you ladies that don't cut your hair and you know why you don't cut your hair, look at your neighbor and say, I have a high priest. And his name's Jesus. Say, I have a great high priest. You know what? Your turn, and I'm not going to turn there, but you turn there. Ezekiel 21, 25, and 27. Talking about the Antichrist. It tells us in that, pas- in that passage that he will wear a diadem. It's the same word, matter. With me? Same word that's used for the matter for the high priest is used concerning the Antichrist. So when he comes into this world, he's going to be a counterfeit high priest. And he's going to wear a counterfeit mitre. He's going to claim to be a religious high priest. And he's going to make people take a mark that identifies them with his high priesthood. That's why I'm telling you, you're identifying yourself with a high priest when you live holy. You're saying, he is my high priest. But there's coming a time. When this counterfeit high priest is going to wear the mitre, the diadem of a high priest, is going to cause all, both rich and small, rich and poor, great and whatever, small and great, whatever, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. That mark is going to tell everybody, I belong to a high priest. His name's whatever his name, Antichrist. I'm going to tell you something. There's some things in the Word of God that some of you have no idea why they're so significant and why they are so important. But you're walking around declaring that you have a high priest. I thank God for you because someday you're not going to take the mark of the beast. But if you don't submit yourself to the high priest of God, you're going to take the mark of the high priest and the Christ. You will do it. Yes, you will. But see, we've never understood the total significance of it. We just get up and we say, you know, don't cut your hair, do this, do that. And we don't ever really explain in detail why. I just shared a brief reason why. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Does he own you? Or do you own yourself? If you own yourself, you're lost. You're an idol. You're a god to your own self. 
don't mean to make you mad this early in the game, you know? All right, you with me? Verse 39, Thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, thou shalt make the matter of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. glad you're healed today by the stri- by his stripes we were healed where do they place the stripes upon his back embroidered on that coat that first linen white righteousness of God Pilate says I find no fault in him the centurion said surely this was the son of God he saw that linen righteousness of Christ with me By his stripes were healed. I've already told you that on the back, leaves or flowers were embroidered. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. Do you understand, church, how much he loves you? How much he cares for you? The price he paid for you? Everything he's done for you? Oops. Well, let me... Let me go back to verse 38 then. All right, let's talk about this matter again. And it shall be upon... Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in their holy yes and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord see listen everything that I do and every worship that I give him is not perfect but I have a high priest in glory who is holy undefiled separate from sinners Higher than the heavens. Listen. And every worship that I offer up to Him goes through Him and therefore becomes perfect. You got to be leading me to this. Where's my little bit of That's a mountain. Here's God. Here's everything you need. Salvation. Forgiveness. You with me? Healing. There's a big old chasm though. Here's man. His need. His pain. His sin. God. We got a bridge builder. <laughs> we got a we got a high priest in the heavenlies. He's a bridge builder. Okay, he's built a bridge. I like that song. Who sings that song? No, no I don't know what that song is. Never mind. <laughs> Here's what I want to show you. On this matter, this is holiness unto the Lord. And he wears that so that the people will be accepted. He says he bears the iniquity of their holy things, but they are accepted because of him and what he has on his mind. Watch. Here's the point of your obedience. 
right here. You with me? See, there's a bridge, but we still got a gap. We haven't got back to God yet. So God says this. If you'll obey me, come on. First of all, you need salvation from sin. I have it. If you'll repent, be baptized in His name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That, when you obey that point, that little thing, God joins you back. And calls those things which are not as though they were. He reckons them. What I'm trying to show you is when you repent and baptize and are filled with the Holy Ghost, you just did that little thing. So he says, okay, I'll give you the whole bridge. I call those things that are not as though they were because that point of obedience you obey. Now listen. When you come in this house and you feel all discouraged, all depressed, you had a big old fight with your wife on the way to church or before church, etc. God says offer a sacrifice of praise. That's the point of your obedience. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When you begin to do that little thing, he gives you the whole thing. He makes it perfect. So when I don't feel like my prayers are accomplishing anything or my praise is accomplishing anything, that point of obedience is obeyed and God says it's perfect in the heavens. Now watch. Y'all still with me? Goodness. He don't ask us to do much. He said there's just a small gap. You obey my word concerning that need, I'll give you the whole thing. Okay? Praise God. In the verse 40. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets thou shalt make for them for glory and for beauty. Glory to God. So these clothing, this clothing is similar to the high priest clothing. That means I have been clothed with Christ. I have put on Christ. Okay, I think I'll go here. Numbers 18. Look at your neighbor while you're turning there and say, He calls those things which are not as though they were. As though they were. They're really not. They're really not. But if God says they are, they are even if they're really not. Now watch this. 
And how do these, how do these guys survive, you know? Okay, I'm going to forewarn you. Baby, 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 I'm after your money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Watch. Ready? Erase that pretty line there. <clears throat> you hear? Okay, let's start. I don't have time to read it all. You can read the whole 18th chapter sometime if you'd like, but look at verse 24, please. While you're looking at it, say, God calls those things that are not. As though they were. 24, but the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. When you receive the tithe, then you take and pay a tenth of that tithe back. You heave it up. With me? Why? Look at this. And this your heave offering shall be shall be reckoned unto you as though, say as though, it were the corn of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. So God says when you pay your tithes, that's a point of obedience. You pay 10% and He says, I'll reckon it to you as the whole bridge. So I'm not going to just bless you on the 10%. I call those things that are not. I reckon them as though they are. So He doesn't just bless me on 10%. He blesses me on the whole thing. Now this is important. When you bring your tithes, and I receive those tithes, it is important that I pay a tenth on those tithes back. Because when I do that, and I do that and have always done that, always have I done that, what happens when I heave that 10% of the tithe back up to God, then He reckons it on the congregation as a whole blessing, and He blesses the whole congregation as though you gave everything you got into the kingdom. And awesome, he's an uh, he's another stingy God. He's an awesome God. When you just obey him in a little, he gives it all to you. He said, "When you repent and are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, it's accounted unto you for righteousness." You just did that little bit. I gave you the whole bridge. I'm a high priest, I'm a bridge builder. I call those things that are not as though they were. But you have to have a point of obedience in your life. God is not a respecter of persons. But He is a respecter of principle. (sighs) 
Okay. Let me keep reading. Verse 28. Thus you also shall offer a heave offering to the Lord of all your tithes, which you receive of the children of Israel. You shall give therefore the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the high priest, out of the priest. Out of all your gifts you shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof. Out of it, say the best. He didn't say half. He didn't say half of the tithe. He said the best of the tithe. Say the best. You don't pay all your bills and say, here's what's left, so I'll pay the tithe on what's left. No, you take it off the top. You give the best part to God. Uh, I don't have time, but I, I may preach it tonight. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I got a couple things on my heart. I can't preach both of them for sure. But I want to show you, that's awesome. Doesn't that bless you? But there's a lot more to it. Paying tithes, there's a lot more to it than just receiving the whole bridge. There's a lot more to it. You need to be here tonight, if I preach it tonight, to understand. If not tonight, some other time. But it is so vitally important. That's why it's always been said that if you're really saved, you will obey that. And I'm going to show you why it says that. Ooh, isn't God good? See, I'm trying to tell you, we get up and say, do this, do this, and we don't always explain, but now we learn. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 30, Therefore thou shalt say unto them, When you have heaved the best thereof, it then is shall be counted. <laughs> it shall be counted unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the white press. Well, it's quiet in here. Some of you don't even... You throw more money away than you put in the kingdom of God. You sure do. I'm not trying to condemn you, but I'm going to tell you, you're missing it, man. You're missing it. When God asks you for that much and gives you the whole thing, and it'll bless you on the whole thing, and you you throw away more money than you pay tithes. You waste it. And you shall eat it every place you and your households, for it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation. And you shall bear no sin by reason of it when you have heaved it from the best of it. Neither shall you pollute the holy things of the children of Israel, lest you die. When that man receives it, he's not in sin when he receives it and uses it. But there's a proper way to receive. And I want you to be blessed, man. Why y'all looking at me like that? Uh, you know what? If I was preaching in a charismatic church right now, they'd be going, wow, wow. <laughs> well, because I'm preaching in Odessa, Texas, 3911 Brazos and Bible Center Fellowship. <laughs> y'all look at me. bothers me when charismatic people can get excited about things we don't get excited about (laughs) isn't God good don't you think he deserves a worship and a praise (laughs) he said just give me a part and I give you the whole he calls those things that are not as though they were they're really not they're really not that way but he calls them that way. And if he calls them that way, it's that way. 
Okay. Uh, I got to close. Oh, I got to go back, and I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to close. And this is for anybody who wants to be used by God in a ministry capacity. I'm going to show you what you need to have the anointing and blessing of God upon you if you feel a call to ministry of any kind. Are you ready? Go to the Bible college of your choice. Are you with me? No, that's an orphanage. Join the organization of your choice. That's an orphanage. It's not what you need to be used by God to be anointed in ministry. It's not a Bible school you need. It, listen to me. And I don't think you need it here, but if you go to a church and you think you need a Bible college, you know what? That, that's an indictment against that ministry and that church. All, in my opinion, all Bible colleges are nothing more than orphanages, babysitting places. If you want to go to Bible college, more power to you. You, you, can, you have a right to do and go and be whatever you want to be and do and go. But I don't know about you, but I want a blessing on my life. Yeah. Pastor, I'm going to go join the school of the, the singing group, you know, where they teach you how to sing vocals, you know, and... Make sure you hit the key every time just right, you know. And I'm going there. I'm leaving you, man. I got to go get you. You're going to an orphanage. Are y'all ready to know? Clap your hands unto God and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. If you're ready to know what you need to know. We'll get into more detail on this, but I'm just going to give you some basic points, all right? I'll say details someday. I don't know when. All right, so let me just give you the basics. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are all the church hoppers ready? Let me say again, all the church hoppers ready? I'm here to stop the hop. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You better make up your mind that you're going to stay here. Okay, we're going to stop the hop right here. I don't care what. I, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. If you're here, you need to make up your mind you're going to stay here. We need to stop the hop. had a guy come, come to church Wednesday night and said, hey, Pastor, I got, you got a couple minutes? Oh, well, yeah, a couple minutes, that's all I got. Pastor, I want to change churches. I'm having problems where I am. Uh, he's been to every church in Odessa. So I looked at him. I said, thank you, Jesus. Go get a letter from your pastor. Well, sir, I think I might go to another church. I hadn't made up my mind that this is going to be the church or not. I think I'll go to another one. <laughs> he walked out. I said, thank you, Jesus.
Now, I understand they don't do that everywhere, but see, I've been through enough to know. I'm not going to become an orphanage. I'm not going to run an orphanage. And I'm not going to run a babysitting clinic. That that was mean, wasn't it? That that was just mean, wasn't it? My goodness, if he was supposed to be here and be planted here, I guarantee you, he would have said, okay, yeah, no problem. Praise God. God sent me here. I'm supposed to be here. He wasn't planted here. You're planted here. Once you get here, you're not going to go anywhere else. We're going to stop the hop. We're going to stop the hop. We're going to stop the hop. I'm going to show you why. And not right, not all right now. Are you here? Come on, some of y'all have made changes, but you made up your mind. This is where we're going to stay. We're not going anywhere, so therefore you're planted. So don't worry about it. Done? All right, look at your neighbor and say, I wish you'd get on with it. Are y'all getting tired? Verse 1. Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons. Say his sons. Who have the right to ministry? The sons. You have to have a spiritual father in your life to be in ministry. People say, well, pastor, I want a double portion. Will you pray for me that I might have a double portion? You don't get a double portion of the anointing of Elijah by prayer. You get the anointing by double portion by inheritance. He said, my father, my father. You don't need an orphanage. You need a spiritual father in your life. This is really going to bother some of y'all because y'all don't like this stuff, you know. I'm going to try to help you. Say fivefold ministry. Aaron and your sons. And guess how many is listed? Four plus Aaron make five. It is the order of the ministry that is given right here. Right? You with me? So, in order to be in the ministry, you must be a son before you can be a father. Which means you have to have a spiritual father in your life somewhere in your life if you're ever going to be used in ministry by God because if you're not first a son, then you can't become a father. Do you understand that? Has anybody got your roast? Is it on fire right now? Your car is exploding outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I had a spiritual father in my life. I walked very carefully when I was serving ministry. When I was underneath pastor, I was very careful 
Because I knew God had called me to the ministry. So I had to do everything just right. Are you with me? And your spiritual father is not the one that has won you to God always. Listen, are you with me? See, I can only spend a little bit of time on this. But look, Paul marked Timothy. He circumcised Timothy. And he said, he's my son. Timothy, I used to say Timothy was won by Paul. I don't know that he was won by Paul. Because he says that uh, Eunice, his grandmother and Lois, his mama. Is that right? They were in the faith. Then we have Timothy. So he, he could have been a third generation believer when Paul found him. But Paul circumcised him, marked him, and said, you're my son in the faith. Because I've marked you as my son. Goodness. You understand? See, everybody want to do everything they want to do and do their own thing all the time. Doesn't work that way. That's why you're not blessed. But I had a father in the faith. Again, it's not always the one that has won you to God. It's the one that has won you through the gospel. Through the gospel. It is somebody that has marked you in the Spirit as their son. You need it more than you realize. I talked to a fellow minister on the phone. He's out. Of, he's somewhere out of town. No, he doesn't live in Odessa. I said, he's having all kinds of difficulty finding his place. And he's, listen to me. <laughs> he's not Hispanic. You with me? This man's trying to find his place. I said, brother, what you need is to find a spiritual father. Somebody who has marched you for ministry. Somebody that will help you. You need a father. You need a covering. He said, you know what? He said, not just because you said that. But he said, because I've been feeling it in the Holy Ghost. You're right. That's what I need. Okay. I had a father. A spiritual father. I had somebody that won me to God, but I had somebody that won me through God, through the gospel. I had many men that influenced my life, but I know one man that won me through the gospel. One man won me to the gospel. Do you understand? The man who won me through the gospel was Edmund Dice. It was something that God did. You don't go around looking for somebody to be your spiritual. Listen, all right, first of all, I've got to make this plain understood. That if you have a pastor in a church that you're under, that is that representation that I'm talking about. So you don't have to go running and looking for somebody right now, all right? But if you were in ministry today, okay, it'd be a little bit different. You came alongside this ministry and ministered in this church then you would have had to have a spiritual father somewhere in your life. If you don't, you're not anointed. You might be blessed, but not anointed. Now, this is very awesome to me because it's something that you don't go looking. You, I mean, come on. You know, hey, you don't walk up to everybody and say, hey, will you be my spiritual father? They don't want to be yours. So, hey, brother, you be my spiritual father. Uh, no, I don't want to be mine. Uh, hey, hey, praise God. Will you be my spiritual father? 
Nobody wants me. I'm just an illegitimate son. <laughs> That's what you will become if you go from organization to organization, church to church, Bible college to Bible college. You're just going into orphanages and all you are. You're an illegitimate, illegitimate son. When you go into ministry, you'll be an illegitimate son. Is everybody here? Okay. Now, this is very, very unusual because I, it's something that happens in the Holy Ghost. God does it. It doesn't mean that man's older than you. We're not talking about natural generation. We're talking about a spiritual thing here. That man may not be older than you and he may not even know more than you. God is sitting over your life to be your spiritual father. Do you understand that? This helping anybody? Okay. I didn't even know what was going on, man. When Brother Dice and I got a relationship together, he didn't listen to me. He won me through the gospel. It was God who did it. It was God who set it up. I still scratch my head and wonder how a person like me could ever have a relationship with such a man of God as Brother Dice that I had. I still, I'm not exalted. We're just men. He was just a man. Brother Dice was just a man. But it was a spiritual thing that God had done. You don't, some of you don't know him, but I do. He was 84. He just passed away a few years ago. Listen, on his deathbed, he laid there on his deathbed. My wife and I walked up there and there he was. The last time I ever saw him, the last words I heard come out of his mouth were my son and my daughter. So I have a spiritual father that won me through the gospel and I have somebody who won me to the gospel. you understand? So I'm not an illegitimate son because before you can be a father, you have to be a son. You have to be an Elisha. Before you can be an Elijah. Say fivefold ministry. Okay. Are you with me? And in verse 3, it talks about the wise hearted people whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him that he may minister unto me and the priest. It's wise hearted people that understand this divine order. Are you here? Isn't God good? Okay. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30 and verse 30. I'm almost through. I promise you. You've been really good to stay with me. Verse 30. Are you there? Exodus 30, verse 30. Now, these things are so vitally important that I've got to preach them to you. And then thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Now look at this very carefully, verse 32. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. This anointing oil cannot touch flesh. There's a lot of people in ministry who are stinking flesh. You know why they're stinking flesh? 
Because they haven't put on the garments of their daddy. You had to put on the garments of your daddy for seven days. And you had to wear them. All right, let me prove it to you. Go to Exodus 29. Is this good? Hebrews 29. I'm sorry. Um, Exodus 29. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Exodus 29, verse 29. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed thereon. The garments are going to be anointed. And to be consecrated in them. And that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he cometh into the tabernacle of a congregation to minister in the holy place. So what God is saying is this. You have to have the garments of your spiritual daddy because if you don't, then whenever you... Listen to me. That anointing oil cannot touch your flesh. So there are a lot of sons who have never had spiritual fathers in their life and they're out there doing their own thing and doing their own ministries and they're nothing more than a bunch of stinking flesh because they never got underneath the covering of their daddy. That's why you cannot sing in that choir and be blessed if you don't agree with this pulpit. That's why you can't stand behind this pulpit and lead service if you're not in agreement with this pulpit. Well, I just went off to Bible college. Come on. We live in a generation who has taught people to leave the loving arms of a father and go into an orphanage. Okay, hallelujah. I'm telling y'all, some of you who really mean business and who really want to be blessed in music or preaching or whatever ministry God has called you to do, you'll understand that there has to be a covering on your life. You have to have a spiritual authority, a spiritual father over you, somebody that smarts you. Come on, somebody. Now, let me share this with you. Brother Dash used to tell Man, I tell you, I'm preaching three or four messages. What am I on the fourth take, brother? Brother Dash used to tell me, he said, I get calls all the time. And th- these people want to come to Odessa. And they would want me to lay hands on them and ask God to give them a double portion of my spirit. It didn't happen that way. And I knew that. I never asked him to do that. Come on. I'm going to just tell you something right now. When he passed away, I knew something happened in the spirit. And I'm not going to get into more details. But I knew something happened in the Holy Ghost. I put on my daddy's garments. I put up the mantle. And I'm carrying that mantle. And I didn't do it. And he didn't pray for it to happen. It was something that was done in the Holy Ghost. Wear your daddy's clothes, man. 
Now look at me. I promise you, I'm about 30 minutes from finishing. You got a natural son. You know what your natural son and your children most of the time do? What you don't want to. They clean toilets and mop floors and if your sister Joanne, they 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 pitch uh, uh, horse poop out the pen. Oh no. Are you here? I don't I wanna I wanna stand behind the pulpit, Pastor. I don't you No, you're a son. You pitch horse poop out the door. <laughs> you do what we don't want to do. You clean toilets, you mop floors, you I had to do it. And I was glad to do it. I didn't they didn't ask me. I said, hey, can I do it? <laughs> are you are you with me, Pat? I'm telling you, I wanted this anointing. It was so precious to me. I wanted this so bad. I was willing to lay down my life for it. If he said fast seven days, I fasted seven days. If he fasted three more, I fasted three more. Whatever I whatever, I want a blessing. I want anointing. Okay, this is making sense to anybody. Okay, go to Hebrews 5. Look at your neighbor and say, stop the hop. Stop the hop. We don't like him, but we got to stop the hop. He's weird and peculiar and bizarre. And I've seen some a lot more peculiar, weird, and bizarre. <laughs> Give God praise. What did I say? Hebrews 5? <clears throat> See, this passage helps me a lot. This next one I'm fixing to read to you. And I'm almost through. <clears throat> Come on. Anybody with me? <clears throat> We're still on the high priest. I mean, you don't believe it, but we are. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Brother Dash, put it this way. We are dealing with the height of ignorance. And every time he'd say that, I'd say, Amen and Amen. I know you didn't like it, but that's what the Bible says. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. His calling is not his calling because he's perfect. He is a, he's compassed with infirmity himself. And I go through things and I'm not perfect so I can be compassionate to the ignorant people. Because I do ignorant things too. And when I do ignorant things, then when you do ignorant things, we just get together and say, hey, let's ask Jesus to forgive us and go on. 
See, the call of God is not because you were perfect. Call of God is because you got through your wilderness. I made it through my wilderness. It's not because I never had a problem or a trouble or I was always perfect. I just made it through it. Oh, hallelujah. I learned to fight the good part of faith. I, I didn't learn to sit on my butt. Oh, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. On my buttocks. My behind. I never learned that. I had to learn to fight my way through a wilderness. And that's why I am where I am now. It's not because I'm perfect. It's because I made it through all the way. I mean, please don't leave here and say I cussed you out this morning. Last time I checked, you all got one. See, some of y'all are so dignified and refined, you got to have somebody talk like I do to get you out of your self-righteousness. Some of you are so religious. You're so religious, you're going to find yourself in a devil's hell. You don't think that, listen to me, you don't think God talks like that? Why don't you read the Old Testament prophets? Why don't you read what Paul said? When I come to you, do you want me to come to you with a rod? How do you want me to come to you? You don't think God talks like that. You know what? Listen, listen to me. The other day I said something that God had called me stupid. And a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night. And I kind of felt in y'all, y'all saying, no, nah, God didn't call you stupid. I flipped over in Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 4. And God was actually calling some people stupid. And some of y'all don't believe that God talks that way. <laughs> he just got through telling us there's some ignorant people around you. And because you've gone through some infirmity, you can relate to them. Because you're... Uh, see, I don't beat around the bush. I don't play games. I don't, I'm not politically correct. I just... Now look at this, okay? Y'all still with me? In verse 3, And by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Uh, come on, man. He's a sinner too. In need of a Savior. And no man taketh this honor unto himself. You can't call yourself into the ministry. You, you can't say, I, I want to. I, I'd like to do that for a job. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good occupation to me. You don't call yourself into the ministry. God calls you into the ministry. Praise God. You don't go into ministry because you think it's going to pay you. Uh -uh. That's your reason for being in ministry. You got in there for the wrong reason. You with me? 
Now the Bible says this, and no man take this honor in himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Y'all with me still, and I'm almost through. Okay, go back to Exodus. No, go back to Psalm, go to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. See, it was by a natural inheritance that you received the priesthood in the Old Testament as a spiritual generation. That scripture, almost I promise. Uh, I think this is an rest for a minute. Y'all, y'all tell me when you find it. I'm going to sit down and rest in a minute. Man, I've loaded your wagon this morning. If you patty cake with Jesus from now on, you patty cake against the known will of God. What you did in the past, you didn't sin because you didn't know the difference. Now you know the difference. Okay, Psalm 133, look at this. It doesn't flow sideways. It, it, you don't start with the foot. You don't start with the hand. You don't anoint the knees. You anoint the head. And the oil flows down from the head onto the hands to the knees, down all the way to the garments, to the bottom, to the feet. Listen to me. Christ is our head. That's the ultimate fulfillment. But there is a picture here of headship and leadership. So that God's anointed flows down from the leadership, the headship, down to you. If you want to be anointed, you've got to be under a covering. Because that anointed flows down, not. It don't start with you, it starts from the top goes down. As to have heard, okay, it went, oh, head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's spirit that went down to the skirt of the garments, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Sinai. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Isn't that good? Well, that's not all there is to that, but anyway, that'll help you understand. Okay? And it's going to protect some of us from making bad, bad mistakes in the future. Well, hallelujah. I'll Hippity hop, hop. Hippity hop, hop. Hippity hop, hop. Hippity hop. Well, I get tired there. Charismatic churches. The lifespan of a charismatic membership is three and a half years. They're starting to require something of me. He was okay as long as they didn't require anything of me. But now they're trying to make me submit. You know, they're trying to make me obey God's word. No, I can't make you do anything. But they're telling me I need to obey God's word. I need to live for the Lord right. I need to live holy, you know. I need to be accountable and responsible and loyal. And yeah, the foolishness of preaching. 
Not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's why if you're here, you better make up your mind. You're here. Because you have to learn first to become a son before you can be a father. And once you learn to do that, then you'll be a father. Hallelujah. And it's beautiful when the Holy Ghost starts working in a man and says to that man, this is your son, mark him in the faith. You are going to reproduce yourself in that man in ministry. That is powerful when that happens. Y'all, en y'all enjoy the priest. Okay, let's stand. God bless you. I appreciate you staying. Father, I just praise you today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that you have planted in this place. Those that have been born into the kingdom of God. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And you're our high priest. Okay, everybody, I'm sorry, but look at me. I need to explain something to you. Jesus said, call no man father on the earth. And why do we have Elisha calling Elijah father, father, etc.? And Paul saying Timothy was his son in the faith. Why do we have that in the Bible when Jesus said, call no man father? He's talking about the rabbinics. The rabbis were called father. They were placing the traditions of the fathers above the father and above his word. He's talking about calling no man father in the sense that you put that man above the, the one father of God in heaven and above his word. Okay, let's pray. Thank you for your awesome name. Oh God, I feel the move of your spirit in this place. Thank you for revelation and understanding and enlightenment. I thank you for the men and women of this church that you're going to raise up. If you don't return, you're going to raise up men and women from this body that's going to start new works. That are going to pastor churches. That are going to do the work of ministry in all kinds of forms and facets and they're going to have an anointing upon their life a blessing upon their life because they were willing to follow your order they are wise hearted people in Jesus name if you love the Lord give him a hand clap of praise <laughs> holy Holy, 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 holy. Praise God, praise God, praise God.
praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? A lot of times people, they're looking for an organization to be their daddy. Come on. Organization can't be your daddy. A school can't be your daddy. You understand that? You got to go to a Bible college to get fed. Uh, something's wrong with me. You understand? I'm just trying to help you. Don't look at me like a tree full of owls, you know. See, you can tell I got Brother Dice in me. I got him in me, I tell you. Isn't God good? That was why I do things that he used to do. I know he go. You become like your daddy, man. <laughs> well, Sister Cardozzi, did I, I, but see, I don't call you brat. I know, brother, I know. I know he told me. He called her brat. I have another word. <laughs> I think I know her a little better. See, but the word that I have, I don't, don't even pronounce it. I don't even say it. <laughs> I think I know her a little better. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Y'all see, y'all see Brother Edmonds up here that when he preached for us? Could you, could you pick up some of you who knew Brother Dice? Pick up Brother Dice and Brother Edmonds. Brother Edmonds is a son in the faith of Brother Dice. He was his assistant pastor. You can pick it up. You can watch him. His mannerisms, his ways. He's the son of that man. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're a little weird, bizarre, strange way out. Blame it on daddy. Blame it on mama the church. But I'm proud of it, man. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. I know some of y'all are getting tired. You're getting so tired. You're getting weak and fainting. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. We'll see you tonight. I pray. Y'all pray for me so I know what to preach to you tonight, okay? Praise the Lord.